Climate change is our biggest problem. This podcast lays out some of the smartest fixes for climate change. My name is Matt, and this is Climate Solutions. Today, how big is your digital footprint? You're listening to me on a digital device. From an environmental point of view, you're feeling pretty good, right? You assume that listening to a podcast is better for the environment than printing out a blog post or buying a magazine printed on glossy paper. We didn't cut down any trees to print this or fuel any trucks to get it into your hands. By doing things virtually, such as buying and storing a book in the cloud, we emit less carbon dioxide compared to the physical world, buying the book in the bookshop, that is. At least, that's what we think. But is that really true? Because guess what? Your digital listening requires energy for your phone and for the servers hosting the podcast, as well as for all the technology involved in transmitting it to your device. So today, we're going to weigh your digital energy use against the environmental costs of old media. Keep listening to find out if you should still feel guilty. Don't worry. I'm also going to give you a checklist of things you can do to keep your footprint low, even if you use your phone to listen to the entire series of climate solutions. Which you should do, of course. Subscribe to the entire series of climate solutions from the European Investment Bank, the EU Climate Bank. Learn what you should do to fight climate change in the oceans, on the road, and on your dinner plate. If you subscribe, you also won't miss the start of our second series, which is coming soon. We're going to have an entire season devoted to the circular economy. What's the circular economy, Nicola? It's the subject of our season two of Climate Solutions. Oh, that's a very clever answer. If you want to know what the circular economy is, Nicola's not going to tell you. You'll just have to subscribe. We want to measure the impact of digitalization on the climate. There are two things we need to know. First, the emissions generated by the information and communications technology industry as part of its operations. From now on, incidentally, I'm going to say ICT because that's what people call it and because it's easier than saying information and communications technology over and over. Second, the effects that the application of ICT services can induce on other sectors of the economy and our daily life. So let's deal with ICT industry emissions first then. The ICT industry is an industry, so it emits carbon dioxide and it's contributing to climate change. But it's not easy to measure these emissions. Some studies state that the carbon dioxide emitted by digital technologies has increased by around 450 million tonnes since 2013 in developed countries. Others indicate that emissions have flattened out in recent years because ICT equipment is more energy efficient. One thing we can say is that the ICT industry is already based on the use of electricity as the source of energy for its operations. So at least for its operations, it's already decarbonized and will be able to benefit from further improvements in the decarbonization of energy generation. At the same time, ICT is a key contributor to this decarbonization. Which brings me to the second point, the use of ICT to reduce carbon dioxide emissions. Smart grids, smart cities, Industry 4.0, Earth observation satellites, these are all things that make energy use more efficient. And they're all based on ever smaller and more powerful 
ICT devices and solutions. So it's all good news. Uh, now things get tricky. I'm going to tell you about the Jeevans paradox. Nicola, do you know what that is? It sounds like a title of a Robert Ludlum thriller. It's even older than Robert Ludlum. I'm impressed that you've even heard of him. Let me explain. You may think that continuous leaps in digital technology bring down the resources needed to produce all this technology. Something called Moore's Law tells us that the number of transistors that fit onto a microchip doubles every year. They're getting smaller. This is largely the driving force behind our technology, getting smaller and more efficient. But I'll see your Moore's Law and raise you one Jeevan's paradox. Nicola, are you ready to take a journey through time? Of course, Matt. Then climb aboard, my dear Simich, and allow me to relate to you a story most curious and strange in the telling. Something that could have been a puzzle set for Sherlock Holmes. Yes, my dear Simich, it would even have made the great sleuth of Baker Street scratch at his great cranium in confusion. Yet once I have laid out before you the facts of the case, you shall see that it makes perfect sense. In fact, it's elementary, my dear Simich. Do go on, my dearies. Let me take you back then to a day before digitalization, before even cars, back to 1865, the year Abraham Lincoln was sworn in for his second term, Lewis Carroll published Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, and British economist William Stanley Jeevans came up with his paradox. What is a paradox, my dearies? What indeed, Simich? It is a most taxing and irksome formulation. No, really, what is it? It's a paradox, a, a proposition that appears to make no sense, but on further investigation, it turns out to be quite true. The Jeevans paradox started with steam engines in England in the 19th century, the century from which I am addressing you now, my dear Simich. James Watt developed a new design for steam engines that immensely increased their efficiency, so people naturally predicted a reduction in the demand for coal. More efficiency, less coal needed to run these steam engines. I see. Can I predict you losing this voice now? Hold hard there, my dear Simich. The voice stays for a little bit longer. Because Jeevans observed that because the engines were more efficient, people used them more. In the end, that meant more coal was used. As Sherlock Holmes himself once observed... There is nothing more deceptive than an obvious fact. Perhaps the great detective was talking about the Jeevans paradox, or it may have been the murder of a Herefordshire landowner in a short story called The Boscombe Valley Murder. We shall never know. The same rebound effect is clearly at work. I'm hearing the voice in my own voice now. Yeah, I think it's time to stop. Yeah. The same rebound effect is clearly at work in digitalization. The cost of transmitting one megabyte of data has come down dramatically, both in monetary terms and in terms of the environmental impact. But that means we end up using more data. That increases the total megabytes transmitted and keeps raising the financial and environmental cost. Think about video conferencing. In theory, video conferencing should reduce the need to meet up in person. That saves all those miles of air travel and reduces our carbon footprints. In practice, digital tools have inspired companies to create more geographically dispersed teams than before. These teams, 
like to get together in person every now and then, and those meetings result in a lot of emissions. Streaming. That'll be another example for new demands created by ICT. Old linear TV broadcasters would use a limited number of TV broadcasting stations emitting the same signal to everyone. Streaming suppliers today offer a personalized experience. To deliver a good service without any latency or cuts, streaming providers are installing data centers across the world to store their content as close as possible to the final user. To distribute the signal to your device, there's an individual data stream from the data center to your living room, and this individual stream requires electricity over the telecommunications infrastructure. Feeling glum? No worries. Let's look at the benefits of digitalization. A recent report by the Global E-Sustainability Initiative, initiative of the ICT industry, I should point out, estimates that ICT could lead to the abatement of 1.34 gigatons of carbon dioxide in 2030, compared to what it would be if we carried on as we are. The report estimates that the emissions saved are seven times the growth in the ICT sector's own footprint in the same period. Even so, does the industry need to clean up its act? Well, some of the market forces driving innovation in ICT, like the competition to produce smaller and cheaper products, also drive progress towards a smaller environmental footprint. Smaller processes require less material to produce, after all. Because they want to compete on price, companies are driven to look at life cycle cost, meaning that they're starting to focus on how much a certain product or solution costs to run, not just to buy. This will always include the energy costs. So ICT companies have an incentive to produce solutions for companies that use less energy. The new generations of fiber optic networks or the fifth generation of mobile technology, 5G, are good examples of this. They're expected to include a large improvement in energy efficiency based on the amount of energy required to transmit a bit of data. So in order to be able to provide enhanced services to their customers and at the same time control their energy costs, telecom operators will want to roll out these new technologies. But remember old Mr. Jeevans, my dear Simich, if advanced services are made available, users will do what? They will use them. This will almost certainly mean further growth in the number of bits transmitted, which might in the end outpace the energy efficiency improvements of these new technologies. One of the areas in which ICT needs to change is electronic waste. New devices appear frequently, and so we throw out devices pretty often. There are more and more of those devices too, as more of our life becomes digital. So we need regulations and solutions to manage this waste. Which brings us to the idea of the circular economy. If you can't wait for season two of Climate Solutions, here's a sneak peek into the whole issue. Designing a cycle of production in which there is simply no waste means we must look for ways to use as little material as possible initially. And also design products and systems to be used for longer, to be refurbished or to be returned and taken apart with the material ready to be used again for future products. 
The circular economy contrasts with the traditional linear model of the economy in which we take materials, produce something out of it, use it, and then toss it. The market forces are strong with this one. More circular business models reduce the reliance on sometimes scarce materials, whose cost can fluctuate too. The efficiencies create value for the customer, and they create a potential long-term relationship between the user and the provider of the circular solution. Anyhow, more of that in Season 2 of Climate Solutions. Subscribe to make sure you're going to get it. Meanwhile, we're producing more and more digital components for everything from fridges to chairs. Those devices are pinging with more and more bits of data. However, the drive towards greater energy efficiency in the ICT industry and the impact that digitalization will have on the emissions of the analog world mean that ultimately we are likely to see a positive effect on emissions. Now I'm going to give you a checklist of things you can do to manage your digital footprint. Nicola, are you ready for the countdown? Nicola has gone for a coffee. I will do the countdown. Who are you? What do you care? Fair enough. Okay, let's go. How to ensure your digital work is climate friendly. Number three. Thanks, Robot Croat. Number three. Start realizing that the virtual world, despite not being physical, is not a carbon dioxide free zone. Number two. Consider the way something is produced when you buy it. Is it produced as part of the circular economy? Number one. Use ICT based solutions to reduce your personal carbon footprint. Things like smart house tech. Tada. That's our episode. For the research, I want to thank Andres Gavira Etzel, European Investment Bank lead engineer. Subscribe to Climate Solutions and you'll learn what you should do to fight climate change in your town, your city, on the roads and on your dinner plate. You'll also be all set up for season two on the circular economy. I'll be back with Nicola the Climate Croat and Robot Croat. Forget about it. Next time on Climate Solutions from the European Investment Bank, the EU Bank.